in a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of koi gear, casting, and klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. It's January 28th, 2012, and you're listening to episode 26 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you from our bunks. And you'll learn why later. Oh, yes, you will. Lots of happy times. Mm -hmm. But of course, the perfect distraction for that is knitting. Okay. So, adventures in knitting. Adventures in knitting. One of the reasons I'm in my bunk is I got my knitting needles in from the web's order. So I now has the Knitter's Pride Dream Needles. I think we even got it the very day that you emailed me going, oh my god, Karen, where is our webs order? Yeah. And I was yeah, like, um, it shipped did. a week ago, Maggie. Keep your pants on. No. It's <laughs> it could be three weeks. <laughs> is impatient. I'm in Aries, okay? That means that I'm the child of the Zodiac, and the universe revolves around me. Yes, but when you order stuff from the States... I don't care. It's it's the 21st century. It, they, they, they should have teleportation by now. Dear God, the teleportation... I would... Never mind. Yes, but with teleportation, you still would probably have to go through customs. And that is what happens. (sighs) Trifles, trifles, whatever. Shipping totally depends on how long customs decides to hold on your package. I want my stuff! (laughs) Well, you have your stuff now. I have my stuff now. I have my pretty, pretty, pretty needles. And I was a good girl and actually swatched for my sweater. And it's a good thing I did because the original swatch with the needles they asked for came out too large. I had to go down a needle size anyway. And This the, is the Madeline Tosh? This is the Madeline Tosh Merino. That you are using what pattern? I am using, da-da-da-da, Amused by Jordana Page mm-hmm. from Nitty. Mm-hmm. It has all of the elements that I want, and it has stayed there in my head. I haven't sw- switched off of it. And the funny thing is that while I was actually swatching for this, and I measured it, and of course, okay, I want to reuse the yarn, so I t- took it out. I know, okay, Ultimate swasher- Swatchers will cut it off, wash it, and block it, and measure it then. Mm-hmm. I don't have that much patience. But somebody saw me finish knitting, measure, and then rip it all out, and just sort of looked at me kind of funny and said, did you just need something to do? And I had to go into the explanation of why we swatch for, or why we knit little patches for, before we do a big garment. Anyways, so, yay, I swatched. I am going to be casting on for Amused tomorrow. The reason I'm not casting on right now is because, oh my god, got so much stuff going on. I am still plugging away at the linen stitch scarf. I have estimated I have 15 rows left. That is five groups of tassels. And each tassel is three rows. So I have 15. Yeah, five times three is 15. I haven't been out of school yes. that long, right? Okay, <laughs> it's still 15. And my, have them right here, my vanilla socks. Still technically on the needles, but... Ooh, that looks like a really nice fit. It is a nice fit. I still have, I've I had originally planned to just knit until I ran out of yarn because I have two of these skeins. Mm-hmm. But I'm getting real tired of them, and if I want to do the knit along, I need these needles. So I'm thinking I might cuff these very soon. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll just have a little. I don't think I don't know if you'd quite. I don't think you'd quite get knee highs out of that, especially because soon you would have to start increasing. Yeah, I'm thinking it's just doing some cuff work and that be it. So those are my vanillas. And this is only the first of the vanilla socks. As soon as I cast this one off, I'm going to leave the second one for a little while so that I can do the the Watson sock knit along. 
Yeah. Because I need these needles. You might just want to make a count of how many stitches you have on the needle and actually write that down somewhere. Yeah, that would be a smart thing to do. I don't know if that's in my repertoire. Okay, let's see. So I have been working on the quilt. I have a quilt on my lap. So I've been going from the corner. So this corner yep. here is done. That and way. that little... Yeah. diagonal row there. It looks pretty. There's a lot left, yes. but it looks pretty. <laughs> There's an awful lot left. But you've got 11 months. If you, like, well, that's if you want to do it as a Christmas present. I know. Or an anniversary gift. It could be a whatever present. A whatever present, yeah. But it has always been my philosophy that things that do take time usually wind up looking good. It's just that I'm trying to remember that somewhere in the process that damn it this will be worth it sometime in the future yeah Maybe. at some point you will finish it and you will look at it and you'll be like god damn this is awesome at some point in the future yes but just think of that day and that will keep you going okay moving along stage left karen yes okay so this week i've done more work on the strider cowl which is probably about a foot long. It's supposed to be 18 inches if you're going to use it as a hood. So I'm getting there. I just keep slogging along. Yeah. I'm like, damn it, I will have this hood to wear very soon for very windy days like today. Holy yeah. crap, it was windy. Yeah, it was. I, was I like, went I kind of wish I had that right now. I went to go and put a tarp over our bicycles in the backyard and the lawnmower, mm -hmm. and I might have just as well been holding a sail. Hopefully I will have that done soon-ish. It's not going to be soon. But I've also been working on the Potion Master socks, and I have finished the heel. I'm doing the gusset decreases right now, and this is a top-down sock. Is that your normal top-down? You normally do toe-up, don't you? Yeah. I just, this is the one where the first one, I did it basically to try out those square, those collage square okay. uh, DPNs. Okay. And then decided uh, the DPN thing really doesn't work for me that much anymore. So I just changed it to Magic Loop. And because I'd done the last one top down, I was doing this one top down too. It's getting there. It's still sort of like this one too has sort of been getting like, okay, I want this to be longer now, please. But I think part of that is because there are new things I'm going to cast on tomorrow. And yep. I have just been waiting for them. I have the yarn for one. Because, of course, tomorrow, January 29th, is when we're kicking off our first knit-along, the Watson-along. The Watson-along. And as I explained, there is a there is now a thread in the Ravelry group for people to post their prog progress and ask questions and talk about stuff. And I am actually using stash yarn for my Watson socks, which I am proud of myself for. Because I just happen to have the skein from the, well, I call it the Loopy U Consolation Sock Club. Basically, I forget exactly what it's called, but basically with the Loopy U every year, they have a sock club every year, but of course there's lots of people that want in and they only do they have a so, certain only number. So, many slots, yeah. so yeah, so what they do is you put your email address in, it's a lottery, you know, whoever's names gets drawn gets in their regular sock club, but everyone else can buy two individual packages as right. sort of a... Consolation prize? Yeah, consolation prize. So I call it, well, they don't call it a consolation prize, but I call it a consolation prize. So it's the Loopy U Consolation Sock Club. So one of the ones I got last year was the uh, Madeline Tosh in a colorway called Green with Envy. I don't know if I've seen it offered elsewhere. Elsewhere. It might have been, like, it might have been added, like, this year. I don't know if it's one of those things where, like, they won't release it, they won't make it a general colorway or whatever for a year or whatever, or if they don't ever do it. But it's basically a dark, olivey green, which in some lights looks a little more yellowy brown, some lights more green. Like, in this one, it looks fairly green, doesn't it? Yeah. But upstairs definitely look more yellowy. So yes, but it is sort of a, a dark olive green or brown, which is sort of a manly color. Somewhat military-ish. Yes, I was going to say very military. Yes, for Watson's military background. So I'm going to be doing the Watson socks in that one. And then 
In the webs order, yes, I got some Valley Yarns Northampton. I think last week I said Northbridge because I was obviously on crack. But yes, I got Northampton worsted in the denim heather colorway. So it's a nice sort of... This is what Karen is in her bunk with. Yes. Because she's squishing and fondling it right yes. now. So what the I'm heck? I'm fondling. I'm squishing right now. It's 100% wool. It just says wool. It's made in Peru, so it's probably like Peruvian wool, but it doesn't give a specific breed or anything. But it's nice. It feels sort of... It feels very sort of Cascade 220-ish. It has that same sort of like... Okay. Maybe a little bit of wooliness, not really scratchiness, but it's a nice sort of mid to dark-ish blue, gray blue. Yeah, and it it's not a bright, vivid blue. Muted. It's like, you know, denim jeans, and I just keep squishing it. <laughs> Partly because I'm still th- I'm thinking of like, yay, Watson sweater! But yes, and tomorrow I'm going to actually swatch and then sort of figure out how many stitches I need for the sweater. And also what exactly I'm going to do, because I'm going to add a little shaping to it. Not much, but probably dis- decrease like... 10 or 12 stitches or something. Are you still going for the v-neck? Yeah. And then figure out how to do v-neck. And what I might do too, I was thinking of doing another sweater and trying this because it's a bit simpler, but I think I might just try it on this one. I think I'm going to try to do in, do set in sleeves in the round from the top down. So in other words, I'm going to knit this, the body of the sweater in the round. Right. Until I get to the, the sleeve and the v-neck portion. And then I'll just knit it in two pieces. Okay. Seam the shoulder. Right. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to try picking up stitches from around the armhole and doing short rows at the top to shape a set-in sleeve. Okay. I, I then... can vis- Yeah, I can visualize this growing. Yeah. Okay. So that I can do the set-in sleeves without having to bloody well sew them in. Without having to seam. Yes. Okay. Because when I was doing... It was when I was seaming the Ayana sweater. Yeah. It has set-in sleeves that I had knit separately. It's just kind of awkward because it's constantly changing between going between two stitches that meet at the top or two stitches that meet at the side and ones or ones at the top, ones at the side that you're sewing together. And it just, it gets, I was like, I have no idea where the hell I'm sewing. I don't want to do this anymore, but I want this sweater. I'm like, next bloody time I'm trying it from the top down, sewing it in. That's actually one of the things that I liked about Amused is that it's seamless. The only thing is like, okay, it's going to be kind of a pain in the butt trying to, to knit them on, of course, because you're, you're knitting a sleeve and you have to turn it around and around and you have this big sweater attached to it, but... Whatevs. I doubt you'll be lugging it around very much at that point. No, but we'll see how it goes. And like I said, tomorrow I'm going to do the math and figuring, and I was planning on watching A Study in Pink. At the to- at the yep. same time? The first episode. Because of course, January 29th is the day that Holmes and Watson met. You were just so pleased. And that's the episode where they met. Okay. So I'm going to start the Watson socks, at least, on, the, on that day. I might take my laptop to Starbucks and watch it. Starbucks 9 and 3 quarters? <laughs> Starbucks 221B. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh my god, now that we have Starbucks 9 and 3 quarters, we really need to name the other Starbucks in town. I suppose so. With geeky names. So yes, that's basically what I'm working on. Okay. I have been dying to tr- to do some of the Soctopus socks, but I've been holding off because I'm going to start two things for this knit along. And as I said last week, and as I said in the post, you know, you don't have to start it on the 29th. So if you, obviously this will not be coming out on the 29th. Hopefully it will not be coming out many days after the 29th. But if you hear it after that and you're like oh no I have missed it don't worry like people can start whenever they want you can finish whenever you want you know we were also thinking like even if you listen to this episode when it comes out but you want to hold off and do something for like you know the last four weeks before the episodes finally come out the new Sherlock episodes finally come out in the US obviously you can still participate in the knit along I will be there for quite a while trust me so no worries no pressure anything sort of inspired by yeah the Watson sweater 
We had somebody in the Ravelry group ask about, they wanted to make something, but the Watson sweater wasn't really doing it for her beau, her husband, and, but she was knitting something else that was cable-y and whatever, and I'm like, yeah, so, so long as it's part of the group and the camaraderie and it is inspired by a love of Sherlock, yeah. yay, go for it. Go for it. We will still share the milk and cookies. Or even if you wanted to, technically, I keep calling it a knit-along out of reflex, but I do mention, say, put it as a knit and crochet along on the group because, like, if you want to crochet something that is somehow, you know, Watsony inspired or, you know, Sherlock inspired, go ahead. We are equal opportunity crafters. Hell, if you want to do, like, quilting or embroidery or something like that, too, go ahead. Equal opportunity. That's just a, that's a, that would just add a hell of a lot of ALs to <laughs> to the, 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 the thread, t- thread title, and then you wouldn't actually be able to see what the along was. Consider, like, you do the embroidery. Yeah. And the knitting and the spinning. Am I missing any? You probably I don't do think so. Calligraphy. Man, not much. Not really. I just like to write with pretty things. Which we we are all time equal opportunity grafters. Yes. So shall we move on to the into geek squee? Yes, let's do that. Squee. Well, I has not so much fun squee as what the heck were they thinking squee. Earlier in the week, it was brought to my attention by the hubster. Saw a video allegedly put out by anonymous saying that they were going to bring down Facebook. And between the Guy Fox mask and the computerized voice and the message it sent out, I was like, dude, I'm scared. I, yeah. I was like, seriously, it, it was effective to me. Mm-hmm. They, they are going to take down Facebook, and they put down how, they put down why, and they put down all sorts of other stuff. So one of the reasons why we podcasted a little bit late was because I wanted to see if this was actually going to happen. Yeah. And I was going to say, too, like, considering considering after the feds in the States shut down Mega Upload, Anonymous attacked and brought down the websites of the Department of Justice, Justice. the White House, I believe. CN, uh, CNN? CNN. Yeah. And, like, a few other major things, including so, major government agencies. Like, these people can do it. This is not, you know... This is like near Neo Matrix type stuff. Yeah. So this is literally like between the Guy Fox imagery, the computerized me- you know voice, and you know the whole background. I was like, dude, I believe him. I'm yeah. scared. And really, it's not that hard to do a dedicated denial of service attack because basically, well, basically what they did is it's basically a whole bunch of computers pinging the same website yes. at the exact same time and overloading. And the that's servers. what they that's what they were trying to get across was download this file input this information here everybody has to do it at 12 a.m their time yeah that is what's going to bring it down yeah well not two days later this video was taken down and it was replaced or reported by anonymous that this was never an anonymous yeah message or vendetta to begin with we don't plan on taking down facebook yeah at, at least not this particular time. And all I can think about is, dude, who is stupid enough to try and pawn people that brought down yeah. the Department who's of Justice? To, who's, who's trying to punk Anonymous? Seriously. Because if they find out who you are, oh man, your life is getting hard in a serious heartbeat. Is Just like you said, 500 pizzas are going to show up at your door. Yes. Seriously. Like, your credit score is not going to exist. 
Yeah. You know, that whole thing in Hackers, where they had, where they were trying to get one back and, you know, everybody was go- going at the um, judge? I've never actually seen the movie. You haven't seen the movie? Okay. Two hackers, there was a competition between two hackers. They were getting back at the city department that had institutionalized, tried to reform one of their friends. This guy's credit card was considered no good. He was considered deceased. The All of these things. That is going to be somebody's life very soon. Anyways. Of course, that also that also kind of raises you know, part of the problem for Anonymous. Like, at least they have a way that they can sort of say, okay, this totally wasn't us. But, I mean, because part of the Anonymous thing is the wearing the Guy Fox masks and using a computerized voice on the videos and stuff, it's kind of easy for someone to put together a fake video. Yeah, anybody can do that. That's part of their protection, but also part of the weakness. There's a a movie plot in there. (laughs) My brain just sort of went, oh, huh, that could get interesting. Well, also in major news this week, the Academy Award nominations came out. Woo! As much as I really care, considering I don't think I've seen any of the movies that were nominated. I mainly don't remember because I know, like, Harry Potter was not nominated for almost anything. Okay, so for Best Picture, the nominees are The Artist, which I plan to see next week, actually. It's a modern film, but it's a silent movie. Really? Yes, I want to see it next week. The Descendants, which I totally don't remember at all. Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. The Help. Hugo, Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, The Tree of Life, and Warhorse. Yeah, um, I've not seen any of them. Me either. My mom saw Warhorse and said it was really good. And like I said, I want to see the artist and I've heard really good things about it. But and we won't go through and read every single category. But those are the big ones for the best picture list. Let me see. The other ones that I recognize for... Well, for actor, Gary Oldman got nominated for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which ah. I saw yesterday. And? And I can totally understand why he was nominated, because he's really good. Really? The movie's really good, too. Okay. Yeah, but I can totally see how his character was nominated, especially because he doesn't... There's a lot of times where he doesn't actually have many lines. Like, he's not doing a lot of dialogue in certain scenes, but there's a lot being told out of his expressions. His body language. And his body language, which is especially interesting considering you're dealing with, like, Cold War spy movie where a lot of these these characters are trying to hide things from each other and other people. And, of course... Benedict Cumberbatch is in the movie, too. I was going to say, he was in that movie, wasn't he? Yes! What does he play in that movie? Oh, Gingery. Gingery? Seriously? I think he's actually a ginger. I, I can see Strawberry... I can see strawberry blonde or a dirty blonde. No, I think in re- he's actually a ginger. Oh, well then, you know, he's going to rule the world with the rest of us. <laughs> he was really good. Admittedly, I like I think the pretty much the only well, I have seen him in other stuff, but I hadn't seen him in other stuff when I actually knew who he was. Yeah. So it was the sort of thing where after I saw him in Sherlock, I was looking at his IMDb page and like, oh my god, he was in that? Oh my god, he was in that? <laughs> to rewatch these movies now. And it wasn't quite that I kept seeing him, like not thinking of him as his character, but when he spoke and stuff, there I was getting kind of little memories of Sherlock. Of course, I usually don't care about most of the large categories because half the time the stuff I watch, nobody's nominated for it. Usually the only things I really care about is things like screenplay, it's interesting adapted screenplay, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, as well as things like The Descendants, Hugo, Moneyball. Hugo was big this year. I haven't seen it. And so is the artist from the looks of it. 
Yeah. Hugo got a lot of nominations. Art direction, cinematography, sound mixing, sound editing, original score, which is interesting. I haven't seen it. Admittedly, when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, that looks interesting. But just from the trailer, it's not like, it's not Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, man. Which, the only ones that Harry Potter got nominated for. Ooh, Jane Eyre got nominated for costume. Hello. I know, I can see Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows Part 2 for art direction. Art direction, yeah, I can see that. And I think the other one was visual effects. Yeah, along with, along with Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Transformers Dark Side of the Moon. And makeup, too. Alongside, well, alongside Albert Nobbs, which I saw a trailer for yesterday, and The Iron Lady. Well, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows definitely has more not-average-day sort of makeup. Yeah. I mean, like, especially they were doing the advanced 10 years aging. Yeah. And especially, and because it has more action in it, so you have to do a lot of more stuff for like, you know. Blood scrapes. Blood scrapes, that bruises. sort of thing. As well as fantasy character sort of stuff, though I think a lot of that is done with CG. Whereas the Iron Lady, that's the one about Margaret Thatcher. And Albert Nobbs, I actually saw a trailer for it. It's Glenn Close. Where she's playing, basically, she's playing a woman who is posing, has been posing as a man for God knows how long, and is uh, like a butler in this really nice hotel. So it's not, so I mean, there's still makeup and stuff involved in that, but it's not as extensive, maybe, as doing something like Harry Potter, where it's, but the main categories that I usually am interested in for the Oscars are original score, not surprising, and this year it's John Williams, big surprise, for The Adventures of Tintin. Oh, wow. John Williams doing a Spielberg movie. I would never have guessed that. Score for the artist. Hugo. Howard Shore did Hugo. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy was up, which is good because it was a cool score. And War Horse, again, John Williams. Again, Steven Spielberg movie. Not surprising. But one of the categories that I've seen a lot of discussion about is the original song category because there's only two nominees this year. It's Man or Muppet from the Muppets. Okay. By Brett McKenzie from uh, Flight of the Concords and Real in Rio from the movie Rio, which that was about a parrot, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a yes, it was computer. It was a CG movie with a parrot. But a lot of people have been talking about the fact there are only two song nominations because, like, a since when has there only been two? And b because basically, like a couple of years ago, apparently the Academy changed the rules for nomination so that as for a song to get nominated in the original song category, it has to be a song that is in the movie. Can't be end credit. And when did they make this change? 2009. Which is kind of weird because, I mean, I think of how many past winners were... Songs that were shown at the end of the yeah, movie. Yeah, songs that the... were in the credits. Yeah. And really, and part of it too is also, I mean, how many songs, especially ones that were in the credits, or how many past songs from the movies have also been huge chart toppers like oh i don't know say my heart will go on from titanic the circle of life yeah circle of life from lion king and i think the version of that with that was nominated was the elton john version from the end yeah. of the credit from yeah the, from the end credits not yeah the it version was that's in the song in this the movie uh beauty and the beast i think the the version that was nominated was the one sung by celine dion and what's his face so again it was the end credits version it's a song that's in the movie and i mean and same thing like with, with my heart will go on yeah the song is at the end the movie but that theme is in the score yeah i don't know it kind of seems like splitting hairs with the rules and cutting out a whole chunk of options yeah it seems like cutting out a chunk of options which is how we end up with two nominees which is like wow once part of the part of it too is that i was reading something about this the other day apparently like what happens is the people who nominate the movies one they only see the little section of the film that that song is in they don't watch the rest of the movie. What, so they get bored during the credits? 
They're not supposed I don't know. It's, but basically, mm. I don't know if this is a change from how they used to do it. Maybe they used to watch the entire movie. I don't know. But yeah, so for for one thing, too, you're hearing the song out of context if you haven't seen that movie. Yeah. Two, what they do is with each song, they, I think it's something like they give it, they give each song a score and then they, they get the nominations by averaging out all the scores. Okay. So like, someone will give it a 9 out of 10, someone will give it 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10. And then if there are two or more, I think they said, that are more than, say, 80%, those are the nominees. If there's only one that's over that threshold, say 80%, I think it's around 80%, it was around 80%. But if there's only one over that threshold, then it's that one, that song and the next two. So if, you know, song A got an 84 and then song B got a 76 and song C got a 74 and the rest were below that, those three would be but the But seriously, nominees. they've reduced themselves down to two now. Which is sort of like a eeny meeny chili beanie sort of yeah sort of (laughs) yeah I don't know of course it's only been for a few years now but the thing is too like if you're by limiting it to only the ones that appear in the movie, you're also possibly li- limiting what ones people have heard of and which ones have actually had any sort of popularity outside of the movie itself. Because, I mean, how many people can name the song that was nominated last year? Apparently, it was the song from Toy Story 3, which I saw, and I don't remember the song at all. Apparently, 2009, I don't know if the... They said they changed the rules in 2009. I'm not sure if it's if it was in effect in 2009. The song that won was from Crazy Heart, which I haven't seen. Um, the other... Two of the nominees were from Princess and the Frog. But I mean, looking through some of the other, the earlier winners, oh my god, Into the West from Lord of the Rings would not have been eligible. Because it's in the, it's the credits. Yeah. Wow. And Colors on. of the Wind. And on. Colors of the Wind. Can you feel the... I'm going backwards. 1995 was Color of the Wind. 1994 was Can You Feel the Love Tonight. 1992 was A Whole New World. 1991 was Beauty and the Beast. The only one they missed... The only one... Well, there was nothing from nothing from a Disney movie nominated in 1993, so Streets of Philadelphia won. Which, again, I don't know if that... I can't remember where that song is in the movie, so I don't think that one would have been nominated. Yeah, so it's really interesting to see, like, has been nominated and what would ne- would have been be eligible. ineligible. But then, too, I know there's a lot of things with, like, original score that... Like, it, a movie has to have a certain percentage of original music or it can't be nominated if there's too much source music. Which is... Which I can kind of see why, but I wish there was kind of a category. Because sometimes the use of source music in a movie... Is well applied? Is really well applied. Like... Sleepless in Seattle. That has lots of actual songs and stuff in it. Or Love Actually, but the the source music is really well used. So I wish there was some sort of score design or something like that. But yes, it should be somewhat interesting. should be somewhat interesting to see what actually wins. I, I don't think Seriously. I've even watched the last couple of years. At most, I swear for the last, like, ten years, all I've done is, well back in the olden days, taped it, like, on a VCR tape. Now I just PVR it, and then, like, then I can skip all the boring acceptance speeches. It's like, I didn't see this movie, I don't really know who you are, or I don't care who you are. Skip. I don't want to hear you blither on about people that I've never heard of and don't know. I know this is your moment, but, you know, I still have to sit here and watch it. (laughs) Well, and speaking of PVRing things, if a certain bill passes up here, I might not be able to do that. Canada has its own version of SOPA that is trying to squeak its way through. Yeah, and you thought SOPA was fucked up. Leave it to governments to take something fucked up and make it even worse. Yeah. Canadians have a reputation of not being very big, brash, and bold, except when it comes to hockey. Case in point, Vancouver. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So this has not really gotten around very fast. And the thing is that a lot of the big Uber websites, Wikipedia and Facebook and a lot of the 
sites that are visited, you know, Google, that are visited day to day are not based in Canada, so they can't do the optional blackout day that all of the U.S. sites did to raise awareness about SOPA and PIPA to encourage people to contact their representatives. So now the information is being circulated around Canada. And please, any of our listeners, if you are listening and you're Canadian, if you know a Canadian, if you just like Canadian bacon, find a way to contact your representatives and spread the word because yeah we, we really don't want this to happen yeah i'm just looking up an article right now to see what the exact provisions of it are basically it is sort of soper like in the in the sense that it will allow you know including blocking websites but one of the main thing one of the main things too is that apparently it has expanded rules for what they call enablers which is basically it will allow groups such as the Canadian Independent Music Association and the Entertainment Software Association of Canada to go after not just sites containing copyright infringing content but also those enabling quote unquote acts of infringement so again i would assume that's linking to things like that or people that make it possible to transmit those sort of items this for some reason this article doesn't actually say what it does say that there's a section of bill C11 that has six factors a a court would have to consider before it can conclude that a site is liable for enablement and therefore can be blocked. Well, it's interesting because for a long time, Canadian, the Canadian government has not acted on trying to introduce piracy laws or things like that. And so up here, it's been a little bit, even been a little bit more loose and fancy free. Looser. One of the differences between the U.S. and Canada for the last few years is that since the in the U.S., since they adopted the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the DCMA, in 1998, from what I understand, it has been illegal to break a digital lock on something. So if you have a CD that has a digital lock on it that prevents you from ripping that CD, it's illegal to find a way around it. Similarly, an article I'm looking at right now from the National Post, you know, gives an example of ebooks. It means that you cannot necessarily read it on a computer or a different company's e-reader, like say Kindle. Hi everyone, it's Karen here. I just wanted to record a little bit because we were talking about Bill C-11 and I've had a chance to read some more information about it and actually read the bill itself and sort of see what's going on. The bit that we mentioned about the SOPA-like rules where they've expanded the definition of what's an enabling website and things like that and the possibility of having IPs block access to stuff like that, that's all sort of the same. The other part is the part that seems to be getting a lot of attention on the internet and which I think sometimes it looks like there's some very broad generalizations going on, mainly when it comes to like burning CDs and PVR usage. I've seen a few people saying things like, oh my god, you won't be able to use your PVR, which isn't quite true. Looking at the bill itself, basically what it says, it is not an infringement of copyright for someone to record something that's being broadcast for the purposes of listening to or viewing it later. If A, you're receiving that program legally, if you make no more than one recording of it, if you don't give the recording away, if it's only used for private purposes, the things that seem to be gaining a lot of attention about this is that part of it is it is legal if in order to record the program you don't circumvent some sort of technological protection measure. 
so some sort of digital lock. So, say, if CTV, the Canadian broadcaster, decided they did not want you to be able to PVR episodes of CSI, which would be extremely stupid, but also seems like, you know, something that the entertainment industry would try and do, if they put something in the coding of that program to keep your PVR from recording it, and you somehow found a way to program your PVR, or if you had a specially modified PVR that could break that encoding, that would be illegal. The other bit that seems kind of fishy that people are sort of wondering about is there's a bit that says it's legal as long as the individual keeps the recording no longer than is reasonably necessary in order to listen to or view the program at a more convenient time. Which begs the whole question, you know, what is reasonably necessary? I mean, we've got stuff on the PVR from, like, last fall. Other people have wondered, like, okay, does that mean you can only watch something once before you have to delete it? You know, what about cases where you have more than one person in a household and maybe, like, one person gets to watch it at one time, one person has to watch it another time, one person has to watch it, you know, yet another time because of the way this their schedules link up. That seems like a pretty big gray area, but it's mainly the whole if broadcasters decide they don't want you to, to record something on your PVR and they put something in the, the coding for that program to prevent you from doing it, if you break that so you can record it anyway, then you're breaking the rules. It's not a blanket, oh my god, you will have to give up your PVR. Now, like I said, if every broadcaster does this and doesn't want you recording stuff in the PVR, which again, would be extremely stupid, but, you know, since when do they actually do the logical thing, then it would be, you know, a case where it's like, okay, I, I can't use my PVR. But, you know, they might have some backlashing from the major cable and satellite companies about that. You never know. The other part of it is the whole issues of copying CDs, ripping CDs so you can listen to, on your, to them on your iPod. Again, it's, the law says it's not an infringement of copyright for an individual to reproduce something if they're making it from a copy which is not an infringing copy. So if you bought a CD legitimately and want to rip it, that's okay. Yeah, if you legally obtain the copy of the work, other than by borrowing or renting it, which sort of makes it iffy about when it comes to library-owned items, if you don't give the reproduction away, if it's only used for private purposes, and again comes that issue about digital locks, where like, if a CD, if a music company has put a digital digital lock on their CDs, then if you break that lock so that you can rip it to your computer, then that's illegal. That's the part that's illegal. And that kind of thing has been around for a while, because I seem to remember even like 10 years ago there were things about like CDs coming with special encodings that you couldn't rip them or whatever. It even says in the law that you can make backup copies of things. Again, as long as you don't reproduce them, as long as you don't break any digital locks to do so. But I found that interesting that it does it does even have a provision there. Like, yes, you can make backup copies, as long as the source isn't, a, isn't an infringing copy. And again, if they only do, if you do it solely for backup purposes, and then if the original copy is lost, or damaged, or rendered unusable, then one of the reproductions becomes the source copy. Now, I do, have seen some things about it possibly making it illegal to jailbreak your phone, basically, which is kind of a big deal up here because the cellular companies up here can be kind of douchebags. So a lot of people have unlocked their phones so they can go to a different provider. I can't seem to find, looking at the table of contents for the bill, exactly where that comes in. But if I can find it, um, I will, and if I find more information about that, I will definitely link it when I put up the podcast. But yes, that seems to be the rundown of what the bill includes. Now, of course, with everything I've mentioned, there's various ways that companies could try and interpret it and try and manipulate it in courts and things like that for their own use. And I still think there are sections of the law which are complete balls. And then when it comes to digital locks and things like that, the other problem with those 
is that sometimes this means if you change devices, change computers, that then it may give companies ability to have things not work if you change devices and that sort of thing. But this is the stuff that, at least the way I understand it from looking at the law, from discussion of the law that I've seen. So hopefully that gives you a little bit more of an idea of what it is and clears up maybe some of the more, uh, I don't want to say outrageous, but stronger claims that I've seen around. So anyway, back to the podcast and a little more discussion of LC11. But yeah, I would definitely suggest for Canadians, look through a bunch of different articles, see what you can find out, and then if this sounds fishy enough to you as it does to us, please contact your local MP and make your voice heard. And now since we've, you know, gotten our ranty pants on and things like that, let's go for something a little happier. A few weeks ago, I read an article about an 18-year-old high school student named Samantha Garvey in Long Island, New York, who had entered the Intel Science Talent Search, which is worth a $100,000 scholarship. And the thing that got this into the news is that one, she'd become a, I think by that time she had become a semi-finalist, and two, her family lives in a homeless shelter. She has a 3.9 GPA. She's fourth in her class. And she and her family live in a homeless shelter and have lived in in and out of homeless shelters for a good part of her academic life. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. She said at one point her family was able to move into a house, but her parents were in a car accident and they had to leave. I'm guessing, I didn't say exactly, of course I didn't say exactly because in the article, but I'm thinking... Probably because of financial issues, right? I would imagine due to injuries and things like that. Medical especially, bills. especially if they if they'd had a hard time staying in a home or something like that for financial reasons before that. If they're in a car accident, that's not going to help. So there's been quite a few articles I've seen about her, you know, trying to to raise awareness as well as I, I would say, you know, rally, let's say, emotional support because this isn't something that you know people can vote on. It's something yeah. it's decided by a board. One thing, one good thing that the attention has done is that now, now she's a semi-finalist, but even if she doesn't make it to a finalist, she now has a backup plan because apparently she was on the Ellen DeGeneres show like a week or two ago and Ellen presented her with a $50,000 scholarship from AT&T. Sweet! Ellen also gave her, I think from her, her network and her people, gave her family a $1,000 gift card to Whole Foods and a $5,000 gift card to JCPenney. And apparently she was invited to the State of the Union address. And apparently also her hometown officials on Long Island have offered the family a home, which is currently being renovated, which is good to hear. Yeah. Because, man, having to live that sort of unsettled life and still managing to get like a 3.9 GPA. That's beyond impressive. I believe her project that has been entered into the contest is something to do with like sea mussels and predators for those sea mussels. So there's a lot of, I've seen a lot of comments of people, you know, hoping that she does really well. Yeah. Because, and really with, with that sort of determination. She will go far. If someone, yeah, if someone just gives her that little step to get her on the path. I think we were saying earlier, with this kind of determination and goals and striving and intelligence, really, somebody in the White House should be saying, look, take note of this person and make sure they're on my staff in 10 years. Yeah. Because this person will do things. Yeah, you know, or someone in some major scientific 
council or company or something like that should be like, hmm, maybe we should slip her a little scholarship money right now and then later hire her. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, damn, if she can do this at this point in her life, what could she do with a full scholarship and actual university education? And one of the things they mentioned, too, is that if she makes it to finalist, finalists are guaranteed some sort of scholarship. Not the full $100,000, but something, something depending yeah. on where they place. So... I mean, that plus the 50000 that she's gotten from AT&T hopefully will be at least a good chunk to get her sort of on her way. I don't think they said when they make the decision. I was going to ask you about I that. I really want to know. Yeah, I do, I do too. So there's some happy fuzzy for you. Yay, happy fuzzies. And then final thing for some geeks, for some big old geek squee. Oh, man. Oh, my God. This had me literally rolling on the carpet. Literally. Like, Literally. She was on the floor. We were both on the floor, actually. So, apparently, recently, Ray Fiennes was on the show Watch What Happens Live, which is on the American Bravo station, I believe, from the, the brief glimpse we got at their website. He was being interviewed by the host, and the host gave him something to read out loud. It was fanfic. It was Harry Potter fanfic. It was erotica Harry Potter fanfic. Erotica Voldemort Harry Potter fanfic. As in Voldemort and, and Harry, Harry Potter. Potter getting busy. I'm gonna go so- Oh my god. It was wow. Yeah, and, and it was on a card and it was handed over and he sort of like quickly scanned over it and you could see his head just sort of go, oh damn. Yeah, you could just see his head drop and start to laugh because this is Ray Fiennes, man. The man has won Oscars. He has been in some serious movies and you're asking him to read erotic Harry Potter fanfic. But he, he does it. It's only a few lines. Yes, it's only a few lines and it's nothing very descriptive. Oh, there was that one line. I did, 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 did. It doesn't say where. Yes, it doesn't say which part. Yeah. It's, but it's, one can easily it's, imagine. It's highly suggestive. I will give you that. Part of it, like, part of me was just, found it hilarious because, like, I mean, not only is someone, is it someone reading erotic Harry Potter fan fiction out loud, but it's also, it's Rafe Fiennes who, who played Voldemort. So it's Voldemort's voice reading this fanfic, which is just sort of wrong. And he's doing his best to keep a straight face while he's doing it, too. Oh my god. It's the, it's the voice. I kept picturing Voldemort reading this and it's like, oh dear god. The part of me also was like at the very beginning was just like oh cringe you had to show him the crazy part of the fandom it's like they all they all know the crazy's there but you don't have to put it in a frame and show it to them yes don't do this please and fans sometimes do this to people and i I beg you if you are listening never ever ever show a star or producer or whoever fan fiction from your fandom especially not the porny stuff but it's like it's 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 like rules of fight club (laughs) first rule of fan club you do not Not talk talk about about fan fan club. club two stars. Rule two of fan club, you do not talk about fan club. You just don't do it. So part of me is like, oh god, you had to do that with Ray Fiennes. You had to show him the porny stuff. There is well-written fan fiction. But it was, uh... But it's always the crazy stuff that people have to see. But then, like, as soon as you start re- started reading it, it was just like, it was just the hilarity of hearing Voldemort. And on top of that, he was in pajamas. Yes, he was wearing, like, everybody on the show wears their pajamas. Yeah. And big fuzzy slippers. And big B slippers. Yep. It was, it is, it is something that you will have to see, and I'm going to see if I can try and embed it 
This is probably not safe for work. Only in the the avenue that you just might squee, roll around on the ground, and start kicking things to keep from laughing out loud. Yeah. Also because, like, if someone did hear the entire thing, happened to overhear the entire thing at work, they would know it was porn that they were listening to. If they just walked in, you know, one little at a certain point, they might not realize what was being read, but it's better to be safe than sorry and just not listen at all at work or in front of small children. Especially not in front of small children because they might be trying by the thought of Voldemort and Harry Potter. Or in um, front of people you might want respect from for the rest of your life. Yes. So thinking of certain things which certain voices might be reading that, you know, you should not listen to at work or when other people are around. Maggie, I believe for Cravings, Covets, and Crushes, you have something that you were crushing on quite hard. Yes, and um, I was a bad girl and I did listen to it at work. Yes. <laughs> but fortunately, With headphones, hopefully. Well, I have, a, I have an office door I can close. Yes. Well, I I should admit, I did send this to you. Yeah, I found out about this via message board plurk thing, and I was like, what? How did I not know that this existed? Hello? (laughs) And at which point I'm like, well, I'm going to be PDFing for a while. Typity-typity-type find on YouTube. Benedict Cumberbatch reading the story of Casanova. Yeah, it's an actual audiobook. Yes. I found Hello, nurse. Yeah. Now this definitely uses certain terms that you do not want anyone else to hear you listening to. Unless it is, you know, a special someone and, and you find this... And it works for you. Yes, basically. It works for you. This, this is why we were in our bunks. Yeah, I, I've been in my bunk ever since I've heard that. So. Yeah, this is the sort of thing you want to listen to in your bunk. Yeah. Everybody who's heard him talk knows he has a gorgeous voice. But when he puts on the essence of being smoky and sultry and sexy, damn, it, it's very effective. It's Benedict Cumberbatch reading some serious smut, y'all. So I wouldn't go so far as to call it smut. Well... They didn't have chickens or riding crops. It's definitely erotic. Yes. yes. And I didn't quite get to that point, but I did hear that apparently at one point he does use the word dildo. You and I were not listening to the same thing then. No. Apparently. Well, you searched it on YouTube. I, I found did. it on Tumblr. I found a clip on Tumblr. Okay. Because Tumblr is like where most of the Sherlock fandom is, and so this is how I find this sort of stuff. Yes, because somebody signed up for Tumblr this week. Yes, I signed up for Tumblr this week. Mainly as a place because I, I started looking at all the Sherlock Tumblrs. And I'm like, I, I want to either follow these people so I can see everything they post, or I want to somehow save this stuff because I really like it. So that I didn't end up having like 20 tabs open and a million more bookmarks and a lot more stuff on the hard drive. I was like, okay, fine. It is easier just to join Tumblr. Well, so, then I don't that, think anyone is following me at this point, which is probably fine. What that means then is that we listen to two different Casanova stories. Yes. And you listen to what sounds like the raunchier one. Yes. Well, given a choice, what do you think the fans are going to post on Tumblr? Well, this just means that I have something to look forward to. <laughs> are you kidding me? Obviously. I will probably, I'll, I'll find a way to, to, to link to this, and I'm going to put, like, so many freaking warnings around it. 
And just for lulls as well, in case you really want to hear Benedict Cumberbatch's voice. One of the other things I found on Tumblr was, if people have listened to the commentary for the first season of Sherlock, I think it's in the third commentary for the third episode, he actually does a Alan Rickman impression. Impression. You've told me about this and I want to see it. I found a video where he does his Alan Rickman and his David Tennant impression, which I'm definitely going to link because there's, you know, three levels of geek right there. Yes. And there's also one where it's from a radio show where he did an impression of Alan Rickman singing candle in the wind, which I was just rolling on the floor with. But we'll definitely send you into your bunk. I want to share first off, there is a movement on Ravelry for a young girl. Her name is Claire, and shortly after Christmas, Claire was in an accident that did an awful lot of damage to her spine. I don't remember off the top of my head if it was just crushed it or severed it, but she had to go a lot of medical surgery and help to stay alive. And she's, right now, she's in good spirits, but there's been a move on Ravelry to sort of send her things of good wishes and love. She especially loves Hello Kitty. All things Hello Kitty and things like pink and such. The group is called Claire's Crafters, and there's a link to lifewithclairebear.blogspot. It's the blog that outlines what has happened and what family is doing and if you want to help. Claire really likes to receive mail and a lot of people were saying you can make her a valentine or you can make something with Hello Kitty on it, you know, considering that the group is Claire's crafters, you know, maybe knit her a hat or mittens or a scarf or something like that in Mm -hmm. pink or the Hello Kitty colors. And the goal is to try and get everything to her because they have her hospital address for Valentine's Day. So that she can just be bombarded with stuff for Valentine's Day. There's a shout out for anybody out there who is looking to be a little girl's angel. Oh, you know what I just remembered? You told me in the theater when you went to go see the movie. Yes, that was the thing I saw early. I thought of earlier when we were talking about movie songs. Yes, I went to go see Beauty and the Beast 3D. Mm-hmm. Last weekend. And it was really good. I was grinning like an idiot the entire time just because it's my favorite Disney movie. I have always loved that fairy tale. Like, even long before that movie, that's always been sort of my favorite fairy tale. But one of the things that I really liked was at the beginning, they showed the trailer for Brave in 3D. Actually, I was in... I didn't even think about it until I was, we were watching the trailers and I saw one for a DreamWorks movie. Like, oh... I wonder if they're going to play the next one for Pixar. Oh my god, the next one for Pixar is Brave. Oh my god, please show the trailer. Please show the trailer. Please show the trailer. And then finally, after they put, they told you to put your 3D glasses on, there was one trailer. And then the screen was just dark for a second. And then all of a sudden I heard Billy Connolly's voice. I'm like, yes! Oh my god, they're playing the trailer! So did, did her hair sort of like come out of the come out at you? It did look sort of 3D-ish, yes. <laughs> Little curls and wisps sticking out everywhere. It I was am, so cool. I am so going to that opening night in full tartan. Duh. Yeah. I'll be there. In full tartan? Well, maybe not full tartan. Just because I don't have any tartan and I don't think I can afford to buy any tartan. I'll loan you my shawl. I'll wear my kilt or technically kilted skirt and you'll wear the shawl. Sure. Okay. I'm totally up for that. But yes, I cannot (sighs) wait to see that movie. Yeah. Okay, my last little bit of news to pass along in Cravings, Covets, and Crushes, because this is another sort of like good deed to give everybody some warm fuzzies. Some people may know on Ravelry or on some of the knitting message groups, Yen for Yarn, also known as Lisa Dykstra. Lisa last year had a long bout fighting ovarian cancer, and she came out on top. Her scans all cleared up, her blood work cleared up, and everybody was really happy for her, and 
her life went on. Well, just this past week, she has discovered that she has to go back to chemotherapy because it has resurfaced. So, what is happening is that the activity that happened last year, called Cast On For Yen, is being started again. And what that means, and make sure that the link is in the show notes, Lisa is a knitting designer. She's actually been published several times, and what was suggested for Cast On For Yen was that the very first day she had to go for her chemotherapy, everybody would cast on one of her sock patterns. Two of her favorite sock patterns are Manhattan and Sedona. Both of them look relatively easy, but are very, very nice, and they're fairly unisex, so they can be done for male or female. Also, CJ Kopek, who I've mentioned several times on this podcast, is very close to Lisa, and she she is planning a super secret project. If you want to be in on the super secret project that will take all of 10 minutes of your time, message CJ Kopek and you can find her at cjkopeccreations.com and I'll probably put in links to her website and contact information and so so forth. It literally will take 10 minutes of your time and it will go all into one really big creative project to help Lisa through her chemotherapy because she has a big decision to make regarding what steps she takes from here. So that is another option for anybody who wants to do a good turn for a fellow knitter and be somebody's special angel and special friend out there. Yeah, she has a lot of sock patterns and a few lacy scarf patterns too. So there's quite a few patterns to pick from. And if you, you'll find her designs. So if you search patterns for Lisa Dykstra, D-Y-K-S-T-R-A you'll find all her patterns. She's done a lot of stuff for the wool girl sock clubs and things like that. So some of the patterns that you'll see aren't, don't look like they're available. Two of hers that are like her Ravelry downloads down, downloads are the Manhattan socks that you already mentioned and the Thumbelina socks at the very least. I haven't had a chance to go through all her designs and see what's available. She also has designs under the name A Yen for Yarn which is, are also available as downloads through Ravelry. So to sum up, we've had some ranty pants. We've had some pantsless. <laughs> At least in our heads. <laughs> At least in our heads, yep. Yeah. And we've had some chances for good warm fuzzies and good deeds. So I think it's about time to wrap up for this week. We've got new yarn and new needles to play with. Please join in with the Watson Along. As I said, there's a thread already on the Ravelry group. I am going to double check with our admin monkey about what is going on with the comments. Um, I know for a while you've had to be able to log in to see comments, to do comments and things like that because we have been deluged with spam. I'm going to double check with Admin Monkey to see about how we can get hopefully more people, real people commenting. If you can't, if you're not a member of Ravelry and you'd like to participate in the knit along and you'd like to submit photos and stuff, you can always email them to us and we'll make sure that they go up. Yeah, we'll make sure that yeah. they go up or that they and they get, you know, posted either on the blog or in the Ravelry group. Yeah. We'll figure out just how, when we have submissions. I think it's time to go play with some yarn and some needles and have some cheesecake. Yep. Sounds good to me. Bye, guys. Night, guys. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar, you can visit us at knitonegeek2.emptypockets.org. That's knit one G E E K mt-pockets.org. You can also comment at our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek Two. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com/knitonegeek2. Have a good week, everybody. I want. I wonder if he sometimes, you know, stars will or celebrities will sometimes go Halloween as each other. I just got a mental image of ben, Benedict Cumberbatch as Snape. Yeah, I, that just went through my mind too. Oh my god! Everybody, Kara needs a moment. Talk amongst yourselves. 
Oh my god. I could totally see him doing it too. I could, yeah. Like, goddamn, if the Harry Potter movies were being done now, he would. Oh my. He would so be in there. Oh my god, he would be so good as Snape. He would so be in there. Fuck my life now, I want to. And now I'm like, God damn it! Why could they not have made the Harry Potter movies now? Oh, Jesus. Okay, so now. Anyway, on... yes. I'm gonna cut out lots of that. 